Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Sejal Lakani Bot. She's the CEO of TechWorks, and she's giving a pretty incredible story here at our PodMax event, talking about what does it really look like to jump into a business where maybe you haven't even thought about yourself being in that business, and then all of a sudden, because of certain life circumstances, now you're in this certain industry. Well, that's Sejal's story, and she actually talks about how she began to flourish in this particular industry, and how she even became CEO, especially after experiencing some pretty incredible circumstances and challenges. Hey, if you've been in the entrepreneurship world and you've been thinking about how do I really press forward and grow despite whatever challenges are before me, you're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're bringing you some good advice through our PodMax event. It's the number one networking event for virtual entrepreneurs who want to get together and chat. Uh, I have the best person at the event, Sejal Lakani Bot, who's joining me today. She's the CEO of TechWorks. She's all the way over in New Jersey. She works with clients all over the country, maybe even all over the world. I'm not even sure. Sejal, thank you for joining me today. Blake, thank you so much for having me. And yes, definitely best for last. So I'm excited about this today. <laughs> me too, me too. Now let's let's get the record straight. I said all over the country, maybe even all over the world. Uh, tell me a little bit about what TechWorks is doing for the maybe the average listener who may not know a lot about your business. Mm-hmm. What do you what are you guys doing? Yeah, so TechWorks, we basically become the IT department for small and medium businesses. So everything from cybersecurity, backup disaster recovery, compliance, help desk. And we do that, we do actually have clients um, in other parts of the world, uh, but our clients normally start here in the U.S. And then if they grow, et cetera, we, we pick them up wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. Now, Sejal, I think what's really funny about this topic of conversation is um, I love your business because it's like one of those things that the small to medium business owner doesn't typically think about until they really yeah. need it. And it's like, again, oh. so they're screwed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh man, I really, I, I needed that. Especially like yeah. the cybersecurity part of it. It's like, oh, well, you know, um, ransomware and all these things that only happens to major businesses. It would never happen to me. Uh, so I think our conversation today is going to be really valuable. Two reasons. It's going to help our the listeners who are small business owners realize, oh my gosh, wow, I, I really do need to get with her and talk to her about this. But two, I'm also really excited to hear more about your journey and um, how you've been growing the business, what that's looked like. So sure. um, having said that, let's maybe start with you specifically. Tell the listeners okay. a little bit about who you are, um, what's going on in your world, and how you kind of came about running this business? Sure. Um, so I'll start with my, um, I'll start with my mantra. It's, uh, you know, be a Fruit Loop and a bowl of Cheerios. So <laughs> I am, I love that. Um, I'm an ex-finance girl. 
So I worked through the banks. I was a trader for a bit and then worked through, you know, three different banks over 12, 13 years, lived in five different countries uh, while working for these banks, climbing that proverbial ladder that's so, you know, uh, sought after. And um, in 2012, I had an aha moment. I had two kids by then, one in 2008, one in 2011. And we had just built our dream house and I was just working so many hours and I was sitting in a meeting on a Monday morning and 42 minutes after, you know, wasting literally 42 minutes of, of, of that meeting time, I got up and I quit, uh, quit my job, quit everything, got on the train and then decided to call my husband and tell oh him my that gosh. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hang on, hang on. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta dig into this for a second. So you're in this meeting now. I, I mean, was was this like you know death by a thousand cuts? Like, had this been like the straw that broke the camel's back, or were just was it like this moment of like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what? It, what it was that moment. Okay. It was that moment. I was just sitting there, and I'm like, I, I, I had been spending so much time at. Like I said, I had a one and a half year old home. I had a three and a half year old at home, and you know, I was getting home at seven o'clock. My husband was picking me up. I was driving. I. I, you know, I was leaving. I mean, that meeting was a 7 a.m. meeting on a Monday morning. And we spent 42 minutes out of the 60 minutes talking about football. Mm. I could have been home. So it was just one of those things. And I just, I said, I'm out. I'm done. I, I think this is it. Thank you. So you, you get on the train, you call your husband. What, what What's that? Call? Is, <laughs> is, he like, is he like, wait, wait, what? Like, hang on. <laughs> I mean. So, so he goes to me. I was, so I was like, hey, babe. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on the train ride. I'm on the train. He's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I quit. He goes, quit what? I go, my job. He goes, I think you should go back. Uh-huh. And it was very, my husband was very even keel. Uh-huh. And he was just kind of like, I don't understand. We just like built this new house. And we talked about this, like quitting the job wasn't in our five-year plan. Yeah. Um, and I said, no. And I said, we'll figure it out. And I proceeded to take the next three months off. And I hung out. I went out with my neighbors. Some of my neighbors don't work. We went Neiman for lunch every day. We went shopping. We picked up tennis and yoga. And three months later, I was like, oh, so I'm bored out of my mind. Uh, So now what? Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2008, my husband had started this company. Um, He founded it. I obviously helped with a lot of it, but he founded the company. He ran it on his own. And he goes, well, why don't you help me a little bit with this company? And I said, all right. And he's very tech focused. He's absolutely brilliant in, in, in the tech world. And I said, well, I started looking into stuff and a year went by and I really got into the sales and the marketing and the operations. I'm like, I can do this. And by 2014, I was CEO. Wow. Wow. Now tell me something. I mean, you know, you're, you have this time that you're, um, sort of vegging out a little bit and it, I would assume probably maybe recovering from yeah. the total burnout that, you know, corporate life can be you know, before, before this opportunity came along, I mean, were you, were you also kind of like rediscovering who you were and like your, um, your drive and your energy or, or what did that time look like for you? I, I don't know about rediscovering. I think I just needed a break. And when I was done with the break, I look, I've always been involved in multiple things. Like right now I run four businesses. I'm the CEO of two businesses on my own and I have two businesses with partners. Um, as well as two kids, a home, and everything else that goes along with it, right? And so I've always been busy. I just wanted the time. And I wasn't, I honestly didn't even think about looking for another job or doing anything at that point. I was like, you know, maybe do some not for profit work. 
And then I started doing this and, you know, everything happens for a reason and it just fell into place. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, something else I'm thinking about too is, you know, obviously you're, these things start falling into place. You're kind of seeing these new opportunities come come about, but what's really interesting is the initial decision you made to quit the job. And I've, I've told the story a thousand times, but I was talking to a friend of mine who he was, he was basically just saying, my job is killing me. Like it's literally killing my soul. Yes. Like I'm dying. And I said, oh my gosh, like, what are you going to do? And he goes, I think I'm going to work another five years. And I was like, <laughs> what? But like, that's, that is such a yes. common answer. What do you think it was that's special about you that caused you to not sit in what was stale or what wasn't pinging or was it wasn't working? And actually, I mean, even, and even, even, you know, no disrespect to your husband, but even having someone near you who's saying like, wait, what are you doing? Like, I remember when I quit my job, I called yeah. my mom and she goes, Oh, Blake. Oh, like <laughs> it was kind of like a, what have you done? Like, oh, that's no. my dad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, well, you know, and she's so supportive now, but I remember out of yeah. caring, she was like, Oh man, like, how did you make this active decision in spite of possible fear? What's going to happen? Uh, there's a lot of security here. I mean, how did you do yeah. that? Um, so look, so my husband had his own company, right? And we all know like health insurance and everything else from your own company is very, it's very uh, financially difficult. Um, so I, you know, I had a very stable job. I had a guaranteed salary coming in. Uh, honestly, my dad's an entrepreneur and he quit some job, some big job at a big company and started his own company and he's kicking ass. Um, and I think it's just, it's just part of it. I didn't even think twice. We'd literally bought our dream house. We built our dream house and, and we moved in September, 2012 and I quit in November, 2012. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Two kids and all, I, I honestly didn't give it a thing. Uh, part of it might be that I do, I do have my parents to support me. Like, you know, I can always fall back on that. I'm very, I'm very quick to ask for help if I need it. Uh, and my husband was like, yeah, I think you need to rethink it. But when I got home, we're kind of like, all right. He's like, you're exhausted. And, and truth be told, we were fighting. I mean, if he was picking me up five minutes late, that was five minutes late, you know, less with my kids. And I'm like, we're trying to juggle a hundred things. He had a brand new company that he'd started and was working towards you know, bigger and better things. I was working crazy hours, two kids at home, a new house that we're trying to manage. It, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you, you know, you took some time, you became the CEO. W what was it like then now running this business? Uh, you know, so it was all about learning. So the one thing that I learned really quickly was I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing about all these things that need to get done. And how do you do that? You meet people and you network. And I started going out to Fort. I was going to chamber events, BNI. I mean, you name it, I was there, I was there, I was there. Um, and what you end up doing is you start filtering. So you may meet 100 people at a chamber event and you pick the top three that made sense to you. And you and I, and I of those top threes in 50 different places, you pull three out of that. And I started sort of making a network for myself. And now I'm part of two amazing organizations in which I don't care what my problem is, whether I need a kidney on the black market or I need to figure out how to scale my business to hundred million in the next year. Yeah. Um, I've got people in both of these groups that will literally take me through it, that have either been through it or going through it or, or something. You know, your story kind of reminds me of, um, first of all, credit to you. I, I think it's incredible to have this open-minded, I, I don't know everything type philosophy. 
Because it feels like today's entrepreneur, they fall on one of two buckets. Either they are that self-starter, um, willing to get out there and meet people and grow type of personality that you're talking about. Or on the flip side, I remember there was a guy who his business was failing and he said, do you know any good books that could help me? And I said, you should check out E-Myth Revisited, which is like just a really basic mm. business book. And he goes, yeah, I didn't feel like it applied to me. And I was like, okay, well, it's a book about a failing business, which you have. <laughs> but like, what, what about it didn't work for you? But I've just noticed that some people just don't have, I don't know if it's the appetite for growth or the willingness to meet people. I, I don't know. I think it's the vulnerability. It's hard to say you don't know something when you're running a business. And I, I actually thrive on saying I don't know it because I know that somebody I hired or somebody that I'm networked with does know it. So that makes me really smart to know those people that know it. Mm. Um, so it, it's just, I don't know everything. And I don't know a lot of the things that I don't know, which by the way, people point out to me all the time. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you know, we mentioned, we talked about the business and, and now I solely lead it. And um, it's a lot of, a lot of the reason why I'm still here today and why my business is standing and why we are stable and why I've decided to launch a new business in January is because of my network of people that, you know, helped me, you're right, you're wrong, and guided me through experiences and through advice. You know, it feels like people don't, I mean, you're talking about this sort of this magic that comes out of networking and it's like this, it's yeah. like this authentic, real deep network. Like I meet this person and now there's like this connection. It feels like today's entrepreneur isn't really quite sure how to network. And here's, here's the picture I want to paint for you. Think about BNI, Chamber of Commerce, winning one of these number of events. You go to this event and the person comes up and meets you. They haven't even said anything, but they, they yeah, exactly. You already, it's funny. You, I'm doing it. Yeah. For the <laughs> listeners, I hadn't even done it yet and she was already doing it, but I had my left hand ready of the handing the card. She was already <laughs> doing okay. it. So, so Sajal, you already know this, but it's, it's the person who hands you the card and no words have even been exchanged yet. And it's, it's also what we're seeing now on LinkedIn and these other yes. professional platforms. I was just going to say that quantity, 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 quantity. And there's, there's no substance there. And so I, I, yeah. I think about today's entrepreneur, you're talking about these really, um, I'll say profitable, meaningful, valuable relationships that didn't come from, you know, just the superficial instant. Here's my card. Can you talk a little bit more about how you've developed relationships and what that's looked like for your business? Yeah, I can. Um, so I'm part of two organizations and that's it. So, so one, you have that serial networker, right? We're part of like 36 chambers and 14 BNIs and I go to everything every day. And you can do that when you start because you need to get out there and you need to learn how to network. Um, but, and I truly say that, learn how to network, right? What to say, what not to say, how to approach people, how often to talk to them, how to reach out to them, how to prepare for those meetings, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that being said, I've ended up with two groups and that's it. I'm part of entrepreneurs organization, EO, which is a global organization. I, you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm on the board here for New Jersey and we are 14,000 strong across the globe. I can call any EO member anywhere in the world and they will pick up my phone call within seconds. Um, I'm sorry about that. Okay. And, and the second one is C4BX, which is Connect for Business Exchange. And we are 12 people in that group and we're not looking to be more than 17. So it's a really small, tight group. And our only thing is to be trusted advisors. So you're talking about how I develop these. You, you meet a lot of people and you have to find out who you jive with, 
who some of these people, where they are. Do you want to be where they are right now? So a lot of the guys and ladies that I'm friends with or, or in my networking group, and I say friends because they truly are friends now, um, is that they're, they're where I want to be in the next six months, year, two years, three years. Um, they have strengths where I have weaknesses and I have strengths where they have weaknesses. And we make it, you know, you have to think about your relationships with your clients and the people, and not just clients, personal, friends, family, anybody. And think about these people that you're, you're connected with and always figure out a way to connect people. I mean, I'll be sitting there talking to a neighbor and realize that they need so-and-so and, you know, uh, whatever, they get, an accountant that they didn't, and we put those together, right? So it's really just about making that connection. And the only way you can do that is to build a relationship and really understand the, not only what people do, that's easy, an accountant is an accountant, but how do they behave mm. and how do they act and how do they run their business? Mm-hmm. And that I think is extremely important. Um, and so to do that requires a lot of time and energy from, from what you're doing. And you know? I, I don't know. Yes. First of all, everything you said is amazing. Yes. I don't know if every entrepreneur, and it's frankly, they're not made for entrepreneurship. I don't know if every entrepreneur or business owner has the patience that yeah. you're talking about. Cause, cause it, like you just said, it does take time to build those relationships but it feels like a lot of people love the idea of entrepreneurship or they love the idea of growing their business, but they, what they really love is like the sexy, what gets put on social media, you know, oh, seven figures. I don't manage anyone, but I'm CEO and I, I get up whenever I want. I sleep however late I want, you know, and it's just very. Yeah, I, that's not true, by the way, because I don't <laughs> get up when I want and I sure yeah. don't think I get any sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, something else you're talking about too, that I think is really interesting, this, this concept of learning how to network effectively. I think that's a skill that not everyone has. I'll tell you a quick story and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I had a guy who, it wasn't a networking conversation. He was trying to sell me on something. And typically, and I'm sure you get these all the time. It's like the DMs on LinkedIn or what have you that you just kind of ignored, you scroll through, you delete it, what have you. Well, this guy had DM'd me. He had emailed me. He had emailed me again. He had called me. He somehow got my personal cell phone number and had called my personal. I don't know how he got it. So this guy had reached out to me like eight or nine different times. I knew I didn't want to, I knew I didn't need what he had, bottom line. (laughs) After like the 10th reach out, I thought, okay, this guy's being very persistent. So I messaged him back on LinkedIn and I said, hey, I know, I'll I'll tell you right off the bat, I I don't want to buy it. But because you've reached out so much, I'd be happy for us to sit down, chat. And if I know anyone who could use your product, I'd be happy to give you some people. He never responded, like disappeared. No. Like as soon as I said, I'm not going to buy, it was like, I'm out of here. And it feels like people today are so, that's why I say the patience thing. They're so, how do I get to that next sale as fast as possible? Yeah that they're not willing to put in like, it's, it's almost like gardening, like actually like the, the digging and like the planting. And, and that, that sounds like something that you've really honed really well about you. So I, I'll, I'll agree with you a little bit. I think it takes time. And I think what people don't want to do, you're right. They don't want to spend the time because they want the quick wins. And um, I don't remember who it is that said it, but it's top line's vanity and the bottom line's sanity. And people look at some of this stuff as a top line thing. And they're like, oh, I can be an entrepreneur and I manage 15 people and I have 5 million in revenue. 
okay, but you're dropping 2% to your bottom line. So you can have 1 million in revenue and drop 20% to your bottom line, right? And, and, and have two people employed. Um, and I think the problem is, is that people don't want to take the time, like you mm. said. They just, and they're not interested because they're just trying to, you're not interested. There's a thousand people out there and one out of the thousand will bite when I'm done. It's, it's, a, it's a numbers game. And sometimes the numbers game works. You know, sometimes it works. And sometimes you get to a point where you're a little more seasoned than that. And you're thinking, I've got a trusted advisor group. And when they walk into a client, they, this is not a sale for me anymore. I walk in and I say, hey, Blake, listen, uh, I know you have this down, but I'm going to show you something. I'm going to introduce you to an accountant who is truly uh, going to take your business to the next level. And I, I want you to meet with him. I'm not even asking. And you're not even, you're not even debating. Because I'm your trusted advisor and you know that what I'm doing for you is in your best interest, not in mine. Mm. Right. And so I think that's, that's, that's like that next level of networking. That's that next level of building a business. How, do, how does the new business owner get to that point? Cause I, I think owners right now are listening and maybe they're even thinking about the quality of connections they have right now. And it's like the, it's kind of random things. It's like even yeah. maybe MLM, you know, it's like the only people they yeah, really know. Yeah. How do you know, yeah. for the person listening who's thinking like, wow, I want that highly trusted group and I want to be that person who gets recommended in that way. How does someone get to that point? Be that person first, be that trusted person, be the one that's making the connections, be the one that's recommending people. You, what you are is what you'll attract. Hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if people, I'm sure everyone just heard that and they were like, yeah, 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 I do that. But I, I don't know, I, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, I think there's an implicit yeah. amount of self-awareness of like, it's, it's like the client who you were like a total knockout who, I mean, they loved you. And then the client who they never called you back and like taking a second and thinking, okay, why didn't they call me back? Okay. Maybe, right. maybe I'm not everything I think I am and I need to become that. I don't know. Or I'm okay with not being that because that client wasn't profitable and see you later. Yeah, right? that's it's got to go both ways. Yeah, it's got to go both ways. I mean, we fire clients at the end of the year. I call it cleanup time. Go through all my numbers, and I'm like, these clients cost us money. They didn't make us money. Goodbye. Um, and and that I think that that's a big thing. Look, you know, part of it also is is how you are with people and how they are with you. I have I have my trusted advisors. I have like I said, two different groups of people, right? Two different organizations. Um, but within that. Within those two organizations, I have some people I implicitly trust. And when I say implicit, if I say to the, so for example, I'll give you an example. It just happened yesterday. I had this idea of something I wanted to do with my business. And I am going to apologize in advance for the verbiage I'll use. But, um, you know, I was talking to one of my implicit advisors and I, and I, and he's a great friend. And I was like, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. And he goes, I think that's the stupidest fucking idea you've ever had. And I'm sitting there going, well, that was rude condescending, obnoxious, like, okay. Like we didn't have to have it that way. He goes, I'm being transparent. He goes, there, that's a ridiculous idea. And then he took me through his thought process. And I was like, yeah, okay. I make, that makes sense. But you get to a point where there's some people that you talk to that when they say it's not working, you actually truly believe it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you can believe it because they're only looking out for your best interest. There's nothing in it for them. And I think when you start to do that for other people is when you'll see that people do it for you. And though that's your inner circle, that's that close little knit circle that you have. And it's not even just, see, see here now we're getting to some really just <laughs> incredible insights for the business and thinking about not even just your inner circle, 
but I've known people to avoid having honest conversations with their customers because they don't want to hear their customers tell them that that was stupid or that was bad or that that didn't work. Or there's a really great book called Passing the Mom Test. And basically the, the premise of the book is if you want to grow your business to anything sustainable, you have to pass the mom test, meaning you have to get out there and ask people who have no bias and no stake in your business. Because yeah. right now there's a growing trend of business owners who think they have the best idea in the world because all they asked is their mom. And you know, yeah. like, oh, I love you. Of course, they'd be crazy not to buy. It's the best idea I've ever heard. Um, or they ask people who have no, in- like I had a guy who he was asking me about a business idea and it's targeted for single mothers who are empty nesters who are in like their forties. And he goes, what do you think about this? And I was like, what about, I'm none of those. Yeah, what about <laughs> me? Does, right. checks the box for you for that. But I've noticed this sort of this habit in business owners not just in avoiding those, honestly, it's just, it's avoiding that candid, uh, and going back to your original point, being vulnerable enough for someone to say, that's terrible. That doesn't work. Not everyone's willing to put themselves out there, I think. No. And look, even though I did it with somebody that I I love and implicitly trust, I was pissed. Mm. I was like, that is just, and I was like, look, I'm really mad at you right now. And I think we should hang up the phone and we should talk. (laughs) Uh, And we did. And then we spoke again that evening. And I'm like, I get it, but I'm not necessarily sure I agree. But you know, let's let's talk through it. Um, you know, people want to be confirmed. They want to feel so. They're going to go to people that are going to bring that 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 yes to them. That that confirmation that whatever they're thinking is good. And and again, I don't remember who said it, but you want to go for the no. You want to go to all the people that you think are going to look at you and say that sucks. And they're like, wait that's not such a bad idea. That kind of sounds okay. And you're like, that's your verification. Yeah. That's, that's sort of like the, ah, okay. Now I've found something right. that might have legs to it. Right. People who have right. no bias are, are willing to tell you, yeah, I, th- I like it. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly. It, it kind of makes me think of a, a story of a, I don't remember where this came from, but it was a story of a guy who had, he had tried for like 10 years to grow his business. And it was some like terrible idea, like bedazzled leather wristbands or something. I don't know. I have like and, six. Yeah. <laughs> and couldn't, couldn't make it happen. Couldn't make it work. And at the end of the day, people were like, wow, well, hey, you, you, you hung in there. He ended up closing down the business. People were like, hey, you should be proud of yourself. Hey, this is really noble of you. You spent 10 years working on it. That's, that's worthy of recognition. And then someone spoke up and was like, okay, well, how about the fact that for 10 years, no one was honest enough to tell him what a terrible idea this was. Like right. this guy basically right. just wasted 10 years of his life because none of his- And money. Were, yeah, exactly. And enormous amounts of money, energy, stress, anxiety, happiness, because no one was willing to say, hey, no one no one listens to Nickelback anymore. No one wants your bedazzled wristbands anymore, you know? And so I don't know, there's, there's this honesty that has to happen, I yeah. think, in the business world that not only does it always not happen, but I think we as business owners, we don't always seek it out. We don't invite it. Right, right. We don't invite it, but we have to have a trusted circle to have it. I mean, the, 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 my trusted circle is filled with people that will flat out, and not just professionally, mind you, when I'm a bad mother, when I am impatient, when I've done something that, you know, for whatever, whether it's with, you know, the lawn mowing guy or like my kids or whatever, they're just like, dude, that, that's not good. Or you want to do that. I mean, it's got to be across your life, right? You have to either be that person or you're not that person. So wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm now I'm questioning my own self. I'm like, well, geez, <laughs> I, 
I'm thinking like, am I a good husband? Like, I, I need to figure this out. I mean, this is this is this is powerful right here. This is figuring out like, you know, are you really the person you think you are, and do you invite it in every element of your life? Every um, aspect. You know, and there's an old statistic that of the people who actually are self-aware, not just people who say they're self-aware, because you know, people will be like, oh, I'm really self-aware. And you're like, oh, yeah, totally. You're hopelessly un- not self-aware, but only like, only like 10% of people are actually self-aware. So I think for our listeners to like be hearing exactly what you just said and thinking about, is that true across every element of my life? Yeah. That that can be a powerful wake up call. I think that's powerful. Yeah. I'll share a story with you and this goes, you know, ties in with the business and everything else. So so last year, my husband unexpectedly passed away at 39 of a heart attack, walked out the door, never walked back in. And at that time, I was left with the company. I was left with two kids. Um, as I mentioned, I have three other companies. So I had four total companies, two kids, a house. And by the way, I just you know lost my partner. So, so all across the board, it wasn't an easy thing. And, you know, I dove right into how do I make, you know, I'm looking at this going financially, I'm now responsible for everything and I need the company to work. So that was, that and the kids were priority one, but I can't do anything for the kids unless I have money. And so I'm diving in and doing all this stuff and I just wasn't taking enough time for me. And I was no joke, a shitty mother. I mean, I got to the point where I was yelling, you know, I have a, at the time there were eight and 10 uh, and they lost their father. Uh, and, and my husband was the one that was always home. I traveled for work. I, I was always on the road. And so I, I was just, I was a shitty mother. And I went to one of these EO events and we sat there and I talked about something and I was like, oh my God, and they're not doing their homework and they're not, you know, and I'm just, they're not eating. And, and one of the guys sat me down and he goes, so what? And I'm like, what do you mean, so what? I didn't ask you for opinion, you know, and I was open enough to listen to them. And I realized that I was doing everything incorrectly. On, on what mattered and what didn't matter. But again, that was me inviting and seeking, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because saying you're a bad mother, for, for any women out there listening, there's, whoa, you don't ever say you're a bad mother. Well, I was a shitty mother at that time. And the information I got and the way that I was helped and the experience shares I was given really took me to a stay. I have some of those, some of my inner circle and they're all work colleagues, by the way, for the most part. Um, my kids call them when I'm not a good mother. And they're like, Mr. So-and-so, mommy just, you know, they're, and they're like, you know what? We agree. We'll talk to you. But they're that open. They can now come to me and be like, mom, you're, you're really out of control today. Or you're really doing this. And, and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important to invite it from every aspect of your life. And, and this is where you get sort of into the lane of it's not just, it's not just finding truth tellers in your life, but also people who hold you accountable. Yeah. You know, like where yes. your kids, you just said your kids can call them and now it's like, well, dang, now I, cause you know, I think about, I think about like, even me, for example, I'll be like talking to an executive on how they talk to their staff or their team. And then I just oh. lose my cool with my wife, like a five-year-old. And I'm yes. like, what is wrong with me? You know, and yeah. so like this accountability conversation of like, who are you really? And walking that out, you know, I mean, and it's okay to lose your cool because we all do it. I lose my cool. I was just yelling at my child this morning, um, <laughs> right? Yay for remote learning. But, um, you know, I, I, we all lose our cool, but it's recognizing that. But then having the next step and sitting down with them and saying, okay, look, what you did was wrong and I'm not happy with it. 
but the way I treated you wasn't right either. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's just have that conversation and having what we call an EO, a clearing conversation, right? Bring it out. So it doesn't sit there. So that three weeks later, I'm not yelling at my husband again, going, but three weeks ago you did. Oh, for shit's sake. We already got past that. I thought, well, yeah, apparently not. It's the hand from the grave or the, the yeah, ammunition that gets stored up. It's like, I thought we were done with this. Jeez. Yeah. yeah it's like, tell, tell me, since we've mentioned it a little bit already, you know, as people are listening, they're, they're hearing you talk about, you know, you're raising two kids. You, you are running these four different businesses. Obviously you are, are navigating ridiculous challenges, um, you know, losing your partner, but I mean, you know, surprise, surprise, we're still in the middle of COVID. I mean, there's, there's so yeah. much happening right now. How do you manage everything? Like, how do you, like, I mean, I think about for myself, I, I'm tired enough. I have a newborn, like between the newborn COVID, what the heck's going to happen with this election? And then like my business, I'm, I'm like strung out, emptied out. And so I think about you running three more businesses. How do you have the energy for it all? How do you focus? How do you know what to focus on? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, so I am a very firm believer in balance, not existing. <laughs> so I, I, every day it depends on the priority. So tech works might be my priority for some days. Cloudworks might be my priority for some days. The liquor store might be my priority for some days. The real estate stuff is my priority for some days. My kids are my priority for some days. And you know what else? I'm my priority for some days. So I, you know, look, this week has been a really rough week. I've barely seen my kids all week. I've been extremely busy with board meetings and this and that. And that's okay because we talk about it. My kids know that I work to, you know, have a living so that they can have this. So we talk about it. But this weekend is all about them. I've got four soccer games and three this and three this. And I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything. Last weekend, I gave them to my parents and said, I need two days alone. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And that was that. Uh, my in-laws, my brother-in-law, my sister, my parents, they're all very helpful. So it, having that support system, having that network, um, and then just figuring out what the priority is, maybe for that hour, for that day, for that week, it just depends. I think there's something freeing about what you just said of it doesn't necessarily have to be a balance where it's like, you know, 50-50, but... There's no balance. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist because you fail at everything. Yeah. And I, it's, it's almost why there's like conference after conference after conference on like getting balance and people are sort of lining up and they're wondering, why can't I achieve this? I think what you it's said is spot achievable. on. It's yeah. not achievable. And I think when everybody talks about work-life balance, I get, this, I get this question a lot. They're like, you're a mother, you're this. How do you have work-life balance? I go, I don't. Hmm. I don't. There are days that I absolutely, the last three days, I've not seen my kids almost for more than three hours in, you know, in the last three days, four hours maybe. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, 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 and that's okay. And that's yeah. okay. You know, you, the other part of this entire thing, believing that there's no balance is you can't feel guilty all the time. You can't sit there and be like, Oh my God, I've only seen my kids for four hours. Everybody on, on this podcast is sitting there going, wow, what a mother. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what, let me tell you what I did get done in the last four days yeah. that allow me to now spend the next three days hanging with my kids and not worrying about anything. Yeah. No, I think that's powerful. And, and, you know, it's, it's exciting to hear someone sort of pull off the, um, pull back the curtain, because I, again, I think, I think again, in like what gets presented on social media, 
what like the naive new entrepreneur sees on social media is I have just endless hours in the day. I do everything that I want. And in some ways, you know, you choose what you spend your time on, but it's like, I have plenty of time for my kids. I have plenty of time for the business. I have plenty of time, you know, for whatever hobbies. And it's, it's, I just don't, the more I've talked to people, it's, I I have rarely seen that ever to be the truth. Yeah. I think it, I think it is true in, in, in blocks. Yeah. Last week on Friday, I played tennis for three hours and then I went up and met up with a friend at three o'clock and we drank until six. I did that on a Friday. I could do that. And that's okay. Cause Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, I work my butt off. Yeah. You put in the work to get, yeah, exactly. To get you there. Exactly. So I think it's just, again, it's about what do you want to do? But I know that if I don't take care of myself, there's no way I can take care of my kids and everybody else. It's just impossible. I've heard the analogy of, um, you know, when a plane's going down, you know, you put on your own mask before you put on. Oxygen mask first. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the plane's not going down, but, you know. No, no, no. No planes planes are really flying that much right now. But that's because of food. But it's it's the, you can't fill somebody else's cup if you're empty. Mm, Yeah. And I learned a lot of that after my husband passed because, you know, I, I had a lot of cups to fill. And... And my mom, my mom stayed me for me with, uh, stayed with me for two months after my husband passed. Um, and she literally, she would sit there and be like, "You're starting to lose it." She'd call a girlfriend of mine, and be like, "Take her to the bar, let her go drink and hang out." I will let, you know, I'm I'm Indian, and we have a very after somebody passes. I mean, I was talking about a hundred people in my house every day for about thirty to forty five days. Hmm. Okay, that's a lot of people, and she would literally be like, "I let them all know that you went upstairs to go to bed." please take her. She, she needs to get out. You need to re-energize. You need to get yourself filled. Otherwise, it's really hard for you to do anything for anybody. Mm. Well, so during this COVID season and uh, <laughs> you know, not really knowing what's going to happen in the future, what, what's next for you? Like, What are you focusing on? You, know, you mentioned you have these other businesses. I mean, what's the future look like for you? Um, so I'm happy to say that you know, when we were going through all of this after my husband passed and I had to figure out everything that needed to be done for this company that even I led the sales and operations and marketing, he led the tech and we're a tech company. So the tech was a little important um, is we finally stabilized and over COVID we've grown. We've we're fully stable. I'm launching a new company in January called Cloudworks, And so that is uh, basically a cloud platform similar to AWS and Azure, but for small and medium sized businesses. Uh, so we're doing that for other IT companies. And I'm just focusing on continuing to grow TechWorks where, you know, every year we've always had a five-year plan and we've done our EOS and we've done our quarterly milestones and our monthly milestones. And after he passed, I, I threw all of it away. I was like, I can I can barely see past next week. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, you know, at a place now where we can. And that said, we didn't lose a single client. We didn't lose anything through the entire time that we had to restabilize. Hmm. How did how did that happen? How did you do that? Again, relationships. Yeah. It's all it. relationships. It's it's my clients, you know, I'm close with them. I'm close with all of them. I, you know, my one of the things I say is I never want to take down a client that I can't drink with or shoot the shit with. We need to be on the same wavelength. We need to be able to talk. You mm-hmm. need to realize that you hired me as an expert to come in and you need to feel that you're being heard. And if we can't do that, you're not going to be a good client. I'm not going to be the right vendor for you and really even shouldn't start this relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and I love your comment too on relationships. It makes me think of, um, so when COVID was about like a month deep or two months deep, I had called even like former clients just to check in and say, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And one of them was a dental practice. And he said, man, Blake, I'm so glad to hear from you. We talked a little bit and he said, you know, what's funny about hearing from you is we don't work together anymore, but I've heard from you. I've heard from my accountant. I've heard from like, and he named like eight other people. He said, you know how I haven't heard from my insurance <laughs> agent, the, my, my oh. business insurance agent who like should be like taking care of all me right us. now and like all these different things. He's like, that's the one person I haven't heard from. And so as soon as this thing's done, I can tell you who I'm done. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I think that is just an, ana- it's, a, it's an example that points out how important relationships are, even when there's nothing to sell in the moment. But, but and that's the thing, right? It's that second part of your sentence. It can't, we can't only build a relationship because we have something to sell. Right. That's never the way a relationship should be built. You build a relationship because you want to get to know the person, how they work and what they do. What comes after, it'll all, it'll all fall into place if you're building the right relationship. Mm. Powerful. Now tell me what, for, for the listeners who want to maybe learn more about you, they want to learn about your other businesses or even tech works, what's the best way for people to follow up with you or engage with you? Uh, you can check out my web, uh, website, techworks.com. It's T-E-C-H-W-E-R-X-E.com. Or you can email me at slacani at techworks.com. Awesome. Well, Sajil, it's been awesome having you on the podcast today. Blake, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. And for our listeners, hey, I will put a link to uh, both to email her and to the website down in the episode description below. And hey, by the way, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you can continue to get good advice wherever you are. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Check us out, patreon.com slash good advice to be a sponsor for the podcast. And as always, thank you for the support. We'll catch you later. See ya.